Lord, thank you for this great church this morning. Thank you, Second Peter 3.18, that we're growing in grace and knowledge. And as I just prayed, Matthew 5.6, that we are filled with righteousness because we have a deep hunger and we have a deep thirst for you. And Lord, I just thank you, Romans 1.17, that we're going from faith to faith today, that our faith is increasing, that our faith is rising. And I'm just thanking you, Father, Galatians 4.19, that Christ is formed in us. Psalm 22 and verse 3, you inhabit the praises of your people and we're here, Lord, to give you praise, and you're living among us this morning, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And if you agree, would you just say, Amen? God is love, and we spent a lot of time in First John chapter 4, kind of digging around there, but very, very, very quickly, I'm just going to hit a few high, high water marks of this series, and then we're going to move on to new ground very quickly. If you've missed any series, if you've missed any session, I encourage you with all my heart, Get on the podcast, listen to this. This is something we need over and over and over again. How many know we don't have the market cornered on God's love? We don't have a full revelation of how much God loves us. So I really encourage you to jump in and, and go through this. Let's start out with some characteristics of God's love. I think you'll see that if you can find that slide for us. My main man's filling in today. So God's love has some characteristics. And number one, love is not a feeling. Number two, love is not an emotion. Number three, love is a choice. It's not something that you fall into or out of. Love is a choice. Every day when you wake up, you choose to love your family. You choose to love God. How many know sometimes it's a little harder to love your family than others? But it is a choice. It is not an emotion. It is not a feeling. You can't fall in love and out of love. Love is something you decide. God's love is committed to us. God's love for me and God's love for you is based on the character of the giver and not the receiver. Meaning I can't do anything to cause God to love me more and I can't do anything to cause God to love me less. So it's based on His character and not mine. Just the way I love my wife, just the way I love you, it's based on me and my character and not what you've done. Go to the next screen, you'll see this number five, love is unselfish. How many know we live in a very selfish society? Has anybody realized we live in a very self-centered society? God's kind of love is not selfish. It is unconditional, without condition. And then it is truly a commitment. And we begin to read Ephesians chapter 3, and we begin to talk about all the different layers of God's love. God's love is wide, and it's deep, and it's long, and it has a height to it. And so let's just read Ephesians chapter 3 this morning as we go through this. Pull up Ephesians chapter 3, and let's look at verse 14. Let's just follow along here on the screen. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, So Paul's praying this for his church. He's praying this for his people. Notice this here. He says that he, that God would grant you. And I love that because God does the granting. It's not based on me. It's not based on my merit. It's not based on my earning or deserving. It's God doing the granting. And it says, according to the riches of his glory, look at your neighbor and tell him, say, it's not based on you. It's not based on you. And so if you could track on with me, uh, we're a few verses down here. And so let's look at verse number 17, Ephesians 3, 17. So we pray that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith, that you would be rooted and grounded in love. And I want to just affirm this this morning on the scripture, that love is the very thing that grounds us. Love is the very thing that establishes us. Not just love for one another, but a revelation of how much God loves us. It it is a firm foundation for us to build upon. And so let's go on down to verse 18, Ephesians 3, 18. Paul's praying that we would be able to comprehend. 
So there's an understanding here. There's something that happens when we get a revelation of God's love that we would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. So God's love has multiple dimensions. God's love has so many facets. And every week when we're preaching on this, there's another facet. Just another facet. This morning during worship practice, we were singing that song, the new song, Reckless Love. And I was, I had to hold back my emotions because I saw yet another facet of God's love for me. Uh, my, my love tank was filled up just a little bit more. And so let's look at verse 20. Ephesians 3.20 says this. So we're, we're talking about the width of God's love, the depth of God's love, the heights of God's love, so that we can comprehend with all the saints why do we want a revelation of God's love? This is it. Now unto Him who is able. How many of you believe God is able? Everybody in the room would say, yes, God is able. But there's so often a disconnect between the ability of God and God's ability working in my life. Yes, God is able. Yes, God created all the universe. Yes, God parted the Red Sea with the children of Israel. Yes, God raised the, the lame man and Jesus spit in the mud and healed his eyes. But is God's ability at work in my life? And it says, now unto him who is able to do far more. Paul must have been from the south. He said far. <laughs> to do far more. Now, that was good. Come on, that was funny. That was good. Gail likes that. Who else is going to laugh at my jokes when Bob and Gail leave? Somebody's going to have to step up to the plate here. Notice this here. Now unto him who's able to do far more. What if, what if the Bible said God was able to do more? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't more be great? What if the Bible said he was able to do abundantly? Wouldn't that be awesome? What if the Bible said God was able to do beyond anything you can ask, think, or imagine? How, how awesome would that be? Friends, the Bible says, God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we even dare ask or think. But it's according to something. Here's the disconnect between all of Christianity. Here's the great disconnect between the ability of God and then me seeing God at work in my life. Here's the disconnect. It's according to the power that is working within us. And in context of Ephesians 3, the power that is at work within us is revealed as we understand how much God loves us. As we see another layer of God's love, another level of God's love, it energizes and works in my life. That word here, works within us, in the original language, is energized. It's energeo, and we're going to see that again in another translation. So let's look at the width of God's love. I think we have a screen that talks about what is the width of God's love? This is the graciousness of God. This is the giving of God. Thank you. Great job. This is God's love opening His arms. His, lo His love is wide enough for all of His children. How long? Look at the next screen. How long is God's love? He'll go to any length to help you out. You can't outrun the love of God. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who have family who are running from God, how many of you, we have family and friends who are running from the Lord. They cannot outrun God's love. It is chasing them down. You cannot outrun. God is here to show us the, the length of His love. He's long-suffering. He's merciful. What about the height of God's love? This is God's lifting attribute. Look at the next slide. The height of God's love is His lifting attribute. God's love is encouraging. When I'm tanked up in the love of God, I, I see my high calling and I'm lifted and I'm encouraged. And then look at the next screen, the depth of God's love. This is His correction element because He has to dig down deep. 
You have to dig, dig deep and move some stuff out of the way to put back what you desire. How many of you have ever had God dig around in you a little bit? God doesn't like what He sees and He has to dig a foundation so He can build the house that He wants in your life. And so the Scripture says that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. We can know the width and the height and the depth of God's love. So let me give you very quickly two foundational realities to receiving God's love. Number one, God's love for you is life. The Bible says, I'll just quote it. You don't have to pull it up. Psalm 34, 19. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Isn't that good news? John 6, 63. I'll quote it again. It is the Spirit that gives life. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. So God's love, a foundation for receiving God's love is His love is life. Number two, the second foundational truth is God's love is not based on my performance. God's love is not based on what I do. And we looked at Luke chapter 10. We looked at Martha and we looked at Mary. And Martha was serving, 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 trying to earn God's love and trying to earn the acceptance of the Lord. And Mary was just sitting at His feet. And we talked about God's love for you is not based on your performance. And then we gave you six layers. If you could track with me here, the next one should say six layers of God's love. I put a lot of slides and it's really hard to follow them all. So six layers of God's love. Number one, God's love convicts and never condemns. This is what we talked about last week. You see, there's a major difference in conviction and condemnation. Conviction is an inward stirring based on who you are. Condemnation is an outward agitation based on what you're doing. Satan comes and attacks where well, you're, you're unholy because you did this. When God's love, it convicts us and it says, Jim, you are too holy to sin because God loves you. So conviction is an internal motivation on what God has done for us. And condemnation is an outward agitation based on what we did. And, and then we talked about number two. You'll see it on the screen. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out all fear. I'm not afraid that God will reject me. I'm not afraid that God's word will not work for me. I'm no longer afraid of the judgment of God because of how much my father loves me. So let's jump in today to number three. We're going to get into new ground this morning. That's just a very quick review to catch us up today. And you're going to love what we're going to talk about this morning. Number three, if you could pull that up for me. Number three says this, the third layer of God's love. Remember, God's love is multifaceted. Remember, God's love has many dimensions. It, it convicts. It doesn't condemn. It lifts us. There's no fear in love. I don't have to be afraid of judgment. I don't have to be afraid of rejection. Anytime we come to the Lord, He accepts us, right? He doesn't reject us. And then number three, this is so powerful. This is really going to be life-changing to you in a great way. Faith is a response to God's love. I want to teach you some things here that maybe you've never seen. Faith is a response to God's love. Right off the bat, look at this PowerPoint for life. I want you to see this on the screen. Right out of the gate, here is this PowerPoint that we need to understand. God loves me so much that I believe it. God loves me so much that I believe it and I receive it. I want us to all say that together if we can. Ready? God loves me so much that I believe it and I receive it. Now let's talk about this for just a few minutes. I'm going to show you a scripture or two that you've seen many times. But don't fence me in today. Allow me to go freely and range around here for just a few minutes because this is going to help us in a great way. 
Romans chapter 5. Let's turn in there. I think you'll see that on the screen. Thanks, man. You got it. Awesome. Let's encourage our AV team. Aren't they doing a great job? Branson's in training and he's doing a great job. He will be a tremendous media person when we are done training him. Amen. He's got such a good heart. All right, check this out. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us. Now, I want to show you this in a new light. Remember, don't fence me in. Give me a little room here to, 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 to maybe show you some things that you haven't seen. But God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How many of you have heard that verse? You've heard that passage. And how many know we use that when we want people to get saved? Even when you were a sinner, Christ died for you. How many of you believe Jesus loves the sinner? How many of you believe Jesus loves the thief? How many of you believe Jesus loves the, 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 even the, the prostitute? Or how many of you believe Jesus loves the dirtiest down and out sinner we could ever imagine? How many believe Jesus loves them? But what happens, friends, when we, when we step into the kingdom of God, we almost forget how much God loves us. Yes, God loves the sinner. Yes, God loves the thief. Yes, God loves the cheat. We would all stand in line and, and say that. But when we become born again, we struggle receiving God's love. Look at verse 9. I want you to see this powerful truth. So yes, God loves me when I was a sinner. But notice this, much more then. Much more then. We spend so much time focusing on how much God loves the sinner. And He does. But what we should also focus on is much more then. Having now been justified by His blood. I'm now in the family of God. I'm now in the kingdom of God. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. So yes, God loves the, the sinner and the thief and the cheat, but much more than now that I'm in the kingdom of God. Say this when we say much more than. Say God loves me much more than. We've got to let that settle in. We've got to let that sink in. And then let's go on down to the next verse here. Uh, John three sixteen. I want you to see this. Now again, everybody's seen this. How many of you have seen John 3.16 at one point in your life? It's the very first verse you learn in Sunday school. Unless you're my kids, and then they learn John 11, you know, Jesus wept. That's the first one that they could learn. Something easy. But notice this. I want to show you some truth that maybe you've never seen before. All right, here we go. Ready? Waves of love coming at you. Capsules of love. We're filling up the hollow. We're filling up your love tank this morning. Because remember, according to Him who is able... The ability of God is limited in my life by what is being energized in my life. And in context, a revelation of God's love for me on a personal level energizes the power of God in my life. I'm, I'm experiencing this in a real way in my life. Here we go. Ready? For God so loved. God so loved. It just wasn't a little, little like, oh, I love banana pudding. I mean, God's so loved. My little three-year-old daughter, Lillian, who is very cute, if you've never met Lillian, she's just a sweet little pistol is what she is. She'll come up and she'll hug me and she'll say, Daddy, I love you so much. And I'll say, what? I didn't hear you. I got something in my ear. Can you say it again? She'll say, I love you so much. And she'll say, you're the best daddy I've ever had. <laughs> I say, I better be the only daddy that you've ever had or we're going to have some trouble around here. And I'll say, I'll say, Lily, and I'll say, guess who I really love? And she'll look at me and she'll say, Lily. I'll say, no, Tate. I'll say, Lily, guess who I really, really love? And she'll go, Lillian. I'll say, no, Mama. 
I'll say, Lillian, guess who I really, really, really love? And I'll say something like, Pap, you know, don't we really, really, really love Pap? Amen. And then I'll say, Lillian, guess who? And I'll get like to number 10. Guess I really, 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 really love. And then she, her eyes get that big. And I say, Lillian? And guess what God is saying to you? Guess who I really, 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 really love? And it's Joyce. And it's Pastor Rick and it's Tito. Guess who I really love? For God so loved. And we say the world. And, and I wanna, I'm not changing scripture today. But for a moment, I want us to flip it in our mind. For God so loved James. For God so loved Carol. For God so loved Branson. For God so loved Susan. For God so loved that he gave. And therefore, I believe. How do I receive God's grace? How do I receive God's forgiveness? How do I receive the joy of the Lord? God so loved James that he gave. God so loved James that he gave healing, and therefore I believe it. God so loved LaDonna that he gave peace, and she believes it and receives it. God so loved me that he gave victory, and I receive it. God loves me, and he gave. And when I find out how much God loves me, I can then believe it, and then I can receive it. Yes, God is able, but his ability is limited in my life to what is being being activated and energized in my life, which comes from a revelation of how much God loves me. God so loved James that He gave peace. God so loved James that He gave prosperity. And I believe it. Say this to me. Say, God so loved me that He gave, and I believe it. Everything we receive from God is because of how much He loves us. I sat in my house last night in preparation for this message. Looked around at my home. Even if, even those in the room who may not have the nicest house, we have incredible blessings compared to many places in the world. Meshek was telling me in a village near his home in Malawi, Africa, where thousands of people go to a well to get water. One well, right? That's what you told me. So if you have running water in your home, it's a tremendous blessing. Just the other day, not to get off track, but I'm getting off track. So just here we go. Just the other day, I was trying to talk to my kids about how blessed we are. My kids were like, we're not, you know, we're not rich. And of course, you know, by maybe worldly standards, by American standards, you know, maybe we're not rich. And I said, oh, yes, we are. And we spent a whole time just talking about the blessings we have and how blessed we are if we have running water how blessed we are if we have a car. Not only do not only do we have a car, but we have a special little house that holds our car. It's called a garage. But yet we don't even use it for the car. We put storage in it. We have so much stuff that won't fit in a house, we have to fill up the garage. We're blessed. And I looked around last night just thinking about this message. And in my heart, I just I was filled up again. Just another wave of God's love. I really, I really, I say this, I hate to say this because I do care. But but I don't really care if you've got anything on this message because I've been so blessed. I mean, I do care. But I've been so blessed over these last few weeks. I looked around. Everything I have is because God loves me. Everything that I have is because God loves me. So God so loved James that he gave. And therefore, when I see God's love, I can believe. And when I believe, I can receive. My faith is energized and activated by how much God loves me. 
It's not I love you if. It's just I love you. So number three, faith is a response to God's love. Number four, let's talk about this this morning. Isn't that good news? Filling up your love tank today. Number four, my friend, the fourth layer of God's love is God's love is the highest form of motivation. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. God's love is the highest and best form of motivation. Let me explain. Let me take some time here on this one. Satan motivates by fear. Satan motivates by judgment. Fear is a short-term motivator. If you want to write that down. Fear is a short-term motivator. If you don't get over right here, if you don't get over here right now, I'm going to spank you. I mean, that's fearful. And you know that, that's what, that's what Gail says to Bob. If you don't get over here right now, you're going to get a whooping. How many know that is a really good short-term motivator? But the better motivator is mommy and daddy love you. The better motivator long-term is that we want you to be a godly person. We want you to learn how to follow the rules. So you need to come over here. So in churches, a lot of people motivate by fear. If you don't pay your tithe this week, God's going to take it out in hospital bills. I mean, don't go to a church that says that, please, okay? All right, that is not true. God does not motivate by fear. God does not motivate by judgment. Now, as, as, as someone who's not a child of God, yes, there's judgment. I'm not demeaning the wrath of God that is stored up for the enemies of God. But as a child of God, I am motivated by God's love. Let me explain. Why do I not commit adultery on my wife? I'm afraid she would leave me. Or I'm afraid her dad would kill me, which both of those are probably reality. <laughs> I, would, I would cease to exist. But how about I don't commit adultery on my wife because I love her? How about I love my God? How about I love my church? Short-term fear. Well, I don't want to, you know, uh, sleep around with this person, that person, because I'm afraid, you know, we might have a baby. We might be expecting. How about you just love God and you love values and you love morality instead of the fear driving you? Fear is a short-term motivator, but God's love is the best long-term motivator. Let me show you this just a little bit more. We talk about holiness. Why am I holy? Holiness is right living. Holiness is right standards. Holiness is doing the things God has commanded us to do. Reading our word, praying, you know, staying away from immorality, fleeing youthful lust. Holiness is, is being Christ-like, following after the ways of God. So my holiness to God is not a response to I'm afraid of His fear and judgment. Now there is an element we need to realize what sin does. Sin comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay. But the better motivation for me to live right is because I love God, because I have a relationship with God, because I want to honor Him and I want to honor my family and I want to honor my church. Not because I'm afraid if I sin tomorrow that lightning's going to just come down and strike me. That will motivate me short term, but not long term. God's love is the best long term motivation. So write this down. My holiness, or your holiness in this case, it opens the door for the Lord. God is standing at the door with His love and His blessings and His peace and His grace. And my holiness opens that door and allows me to receive all that God has for me. Write this down. My holiness shuts the door to the devil. I was just talking to my kids about that the other day. They were wanting to do something and 
and I was trying to explain why it wasn't a good idea, and, and I came to this point. The Bible says, give Satan no place. Give the devil no place. And I finally had to come to the place where, with my kids, I said, I'm just going to tell you, I can't explain it to you fully, but I just don't think this is good. I don't think this is right. The Bible says, give the devil no place, and we're not going to give him in, any place. End of story. It's not about you or trying to be legalistic, what we can watch, what we can listen to, this, that, and the other. Give the devil no place. Why? Why does the Bible say give the devil no place? Because he's stingy. Because he's greedy. You give that little sucker an inch, he wants a mile. You let one foot in the door, it's like the vacuum salesman. You open the door and they're inside. How <laughs> I many you can't do that now? You might not walk out. <laughs> But you, you know, you the salesman, you know, you don't let them get one foot in the door because, man, you know, if they get one foot in the door, they can come on in. Listen, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't want you following God. He doesn't want you motivated by God's love. So holiness opens the door for the Lord. That's why we preach about avoiding certain things and following God and fasting and praying and living holy because it opens the door for the Lord. It shuts the door for the devil. But if you reverse it, my unholiness shuts the door to God and opens the door to the devil. And so look at Galatians 5, 6. I want you to see this here. God's love is the highest and best form of motivation. Now this is a scripture we used when we came up with our vision. Our vision statement is to express our faith through love. This is another form of that verse, another translation of that verse. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Meaning the religious exterior doesn't mean anything. Coming to church doesn't mean anything. You may appear to be godly, but on the inside you could be empty. So it's not just about religious practices. Aren't you glad that God is not just about religious practices? If it were a matter of circumcision or uncircumcision, it's not even any of that. It says, but it's faith working through love. Say that with me. Ready? But faith working through love. That word working, again, in the original language is the same word, energeo. It means energized. Energized. So my faith, what is faith? That's how I believe God. At 3 a.m. when my children are resisting and pushing off a sickness and the doctors aren't around, the medicine's not around, I can't call Susan because she's in bed. What do I do? It's my faith at that moment that allows me to receive from God. Faith is how we receive from God. Doesn't Hebrews say without faith it is impossible to please God? So when you have faith, when you believe and trust, it's pleasing to the Lord. Notice this here. My faith is energized through love. My faith is energized and activated through love. What kind of love? A deep revelation of God's love for me allows me to receive everything that He has for me. Isn't that good news? All right, number five. We're going to travel on through the fifth layer of God's love. So God's love convicts, doesn't condemn. There's no fear in love, no fear of rejection. My faith is a response to how much God loves me. Quit striving for more faith and just let God love you. Just receive God's love. God's love is the highest form of motivation. Then number five, God's love, this is so powerful. Please hear my heart in this. Will carry us through trials and tribulations. I don't want to put uh, Pastor Rick and Susan on the spot, but both of them are uh, widowed and widowers. Susan lost her husband and Rick uh, lost his first wife. And they had a tremendous tragedy, tremendous trial. And if you talk to both of them, 
And I've had a chance to talk more with Rick than Susan, but if you talk to both of them, they will tell you that there was the, the, the love of God helped carry them through those tragic trials in their life. You see, if you don't have a revelation of how much God loves you, you think God caused the test or the trial that you're in. And so God's love for us will literally carry us through tribulations. It's not on the screen, so don't worry about pulling it up. But Jesus said in John 16, 33, He said, I've spoken these things to you so that you might have peace. Because in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Take courage, take heart, because I have overcome the world. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5. You'll see it on the screen. Romans chapter 5, let's go to verse 3. We just saw this. We just read some of this. But I want to pull out a little different context. It says, we can rejoice too, even when we run into problems and trials. Let me just give you a little nugget here that will help you. Your attitude in the test and your attitude in the trial will dictate how long you stay in the test and how long you stay in the trial. We have to learn to choose joy even in the midst of problems and trials. We can rejoice too when we run into problems. How many know if you're breathing and living, you're going to run into problems? You're going to run into trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Now go to the next one here in verse 4. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confidence. Catch this word here, ready? Hope of salvation. The word salvation means delivered and saved and healed and made whole. So because we're going through tests and trials and we have the right attitude, we rejoice knowing that God didn't cause those, but we know that God's love will sustain us and hold us. We have hope. We have a hope of salvation. It's a confident hope that I'll be delivered and that I'll be saved. Now look at verse 5. So we're talking about problems and tests. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. So I want to show you a revelation here maybe you've never seen. The Scripture says, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, these remain, faith, hope, and love. Say that with me. Faith, hope, and love. Now catch this now. Ready? Watch this. A lot of people confuse faith and hope. A lot of people start out hoping. Well, I hope this trial is going to be okay. I hope this test is going to be okay. And I'm not demeaning your hope because Scripture talks about we have a living hope. But I believe people try to start out hoping that things will work out and then they don't see results because you should start out with faith because of God's love. It's the hope sandwich. Hope is the meat in the middle. Faith is on this side. Love is on this side. These three remain. Faith, hope, and love. Faith and hope are different. So I have faith in God because I see His love and therefore out of that faith I now have hope and it's a biblical hope of salvation. I don't just start with hope like hoping it's going to work out, hoping I'm going to win the lottery, hoping my ship will come in one day. I start out with faith, a deep trust and believing in how much God loves me, and therefore I have hope. For we know, notice this here, I have hope. In tests and trials and tribulations, I have hope, and it will not lead me to disappointment. Why? Because I know how much God dearly loves me. And so my faith is energized, and my faith is activated. Because of how much God loves me. And He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Look at Hebrews 6.19 as we close this out today. This hope which comes from my faith because I see how much God loves me is an anchor of the soul. It's sure and steadfast. The hope that I have is the anchor of my soul.
Colossians 2.7. This is very powerful. I want you to see this. Colossians 2.7. I'm going to show you something a little different. Have the roots of your being. What does love do? It grounds us and establishes us. Ready? Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in Him. What is Him? Who is Him? God. What is God? And we're in what series? Okay. All together now. What is God? Okay. Okay. All right. Is this thing on? Here we go. Ready? Now watch this now. Ready? Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in love. In God love? Fixed and founded in love. What kind of love? A revelation of how much God loves me. It brings my hope. Notice this here. Be continually built up in love. Become increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as you were taught and abounding and overflowing in love with thanksgiving. So we should overflow, be filled up with God's love to the point where we overflow. Last one. We'll close with this. Not only does God's love carry us in times of tests and trials, but go to number six on the screen. When you understand God's love for you, it will spill out and over to others. So this love that we receive, not only will allow us to receive God's love, not only will it allow us to the power of God to be energized in our life, but it will allow it to spill over into others. Last scripture of the day, Romans 15, 13. Romans 15.13 declares this, May the God of your hope, I have hope because I have faith, and I have faith because of how much God loves me. God so loved me that I believe it. May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound and be overflowing, that you may be bubbling over with hope. Hope of salvation because you put your faith in a God who loves you so much and He cares so much for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We just thank You, Lord, for Your presence. Thank You that You are here this morning.